Speaking of our next guest, uh, we have him right here. Uh, Jeremy Bromberg is the Chief Operating Officer of Canwell. Uh, Canwell is located in uh, Rhode Island in the Massachusetts area, and uh, we're very excited to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm, I'm humbled to be included. Thank you. <laughs> That's very nice of you to say that, Jeremy. And yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about Canwell. Why don't you tell us first what, it, what Canwell is all about? Sure. Canwell actually represents uh, investors. It's, it's sort of an investment vehicle for, uh, for the people who own two uh, medical marijuana companies, one in Massachusetts called Affinity, one in Rhode Island called Summit Medical Compassion Center. So Canwell itself is very, very small. It's just like three of us who are really kind of overlooking the portfolio. And in my case, given a lot of operations background, uh, I'm working with both companies to help them grow and be more successful. In this case, when I arrived a little about almost two and a half years ago, Summit in Rhode Island was already operational for about five years. So that was a case of let's give it some gas. And the uh, affinity in Massachusetts was just starting being built from the ground up. There was one employee and there was a building with a roof and a, and a floor. So uh, since then, we've got that uh, affinity completely built out and operational with two different dispensaries, one in West Springfield and one in Boston. Well, that's uh, fantastic. I know a lot of work goes into that. Uh, and you're somebody that has a great background in not so much the cannabis uh, industry to start with, and you've been able to bridge the gap between two of that, uh, between both of those industries. So what I wanted to uh, ask as, uh, as my next question over here and hear a little bit more about is, uh, you know, what are some of the strategic initiatives that you're trying to, you know, roll out over the, ne uh, over the next year or the next few years? There's a couple answers to that. One is it's, I'm not going to duck it. I will answer. But part of it is it's hard to answer because we have no idea where this industry is going. Uh, we don't know if the federal laws are going to change. We don't know if the state's going to change. We don't know if regulations Well, regulations will change. They do routinely. So a lot of it is trying to, you know, we're trying to predict where this is going. And frankly, if it gets to the point in the country where the walls between states come down, then this is a very different industry all of a sudden because a lot of it can be grown cheaper outdoors versus much of the country having all these indoor growth facilities. So there's, there's that aspect that says you don't really know where it's going. But on the other hand, the part to answer more directly is part of it is we have to learn to control expenses um, over time because the cost, the price of product will come down. You know, we're, we're not in a, in a we're in a uh, demand uh, over, uh, undersupplied area right now. So that allows pricing to stay high. Uh, but more and more folks are coming online. Uh, so product will start to become more available. Prices will come down and then we have to compete on price. So a big part of the, of the message is going to be how do you control your costs in an in a indoor grow and expensive activity to allow you to be competitive in that realm. Similarly, uh, or also we have to look at what products we're offering and how to maintain a level of quality and variety that will attract business and to be successful on both the medical and eventually on the adult use fronts as well. Right now, we are both, both uh, companies are just medical marijuana, but uh, Rhode Island will probably be going recreational somewhere in the next year. And Massachusetts, we're just, it's up to us to apply to get that. And that's coming up for us as well. So a lot of it is just sustaining the growth, sustaining uh, the quality, keep it going and, uh, and, and be there. So it's, it's, it's not yet, I mean, I like to joke too that uh, 
I've had to do some sales in this job, which has never been my history, not my specialty at all. But in this job, I'm really good at sales because I show up with someone, I go, you want this? And they go, yes, like that. I mean, I've had hundreds of thousands of dollars agreed to in two minutes. So, you know, all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, I did a good job pitching. No, it's just a product that people want. Well, it's always helps to be in an industry where there's a lot of demand, but you're also describing an industry that's uh, on the front end of the curve. We could call it an immature industry, which means there's a lot, as you've described, of change going on. How do you build a culture? And I would assume that's important that that deals with it where you're going to have to adapt so quickly all the time to survive. I think that's key because, you know, what does they say? You know, culture beats strategy three to one. And right now, I think, you know, it is about people understanding that the rules are going to be changing almost daily, weekly, monthly right now. So how do you deal with that? Well, first of all, as you can tell simply by looking at me, I have been in, worked in business a long time. Um, and I'm here to tell I didn't you- I call this, you old. No, you didn't. You didn't. But, uh, you know, I mean, I get the hair dyed this color. What are you going to do? But anyway, uh, no. So it's, but I've been in, in business a long time. This is, to say it's an immature industry is an understatement. There are absolutely, most of the industry leaders are fall into one of two categories, most, not all. They either are people who want to grow and sell marijuana, just, you know, grow and sell it because there's money to be made. Or there are, as some people will say, the suits who know that there's money to be made and want to get in and get their, 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 their mitts on it and get, build a business. Neither is terribly effective for what this business is right now. Because exactly the point you were making, Jeffrey, is, is you have to be adaptable. You have to be agile because the rules change constantly. I think at, at the Massachusetts company here at Affinity, I think we did a very good job because we hired a blend of business savvy and cannabis culture. Because you really need those two to come together because cannabis does have a whole cultural aspect to it as well. So you're looking at how do you build a, a sensible business and one that can appeal to the industry. So we've looked at a lot of kind of, I'll say, classic industry best practices. Uh, I've been with two different companies. The first one I was with, I suggested we get an ERP. And they just looked at me like I had four heads and said, what do you need that for? And I said, well, because we want to make smarter management decisions, don't we? You know, and I want all the data linked. No clue about anything like that. You know, they they just sort of, again, stared at me like I had four heads. So you run into these things constantly. And so what you can do is just be steady, be adaptable. Be creative. Realize, you know, what your goal is. Where are you trying to get? And then realize there are a million different ways to get there. You know, you can always find a way to solve a problem. I believe. So you look at where where you're trying to go, and you just say, "Where am I now? Where do I want to be? What's between here and there?" And you do that routinely, which you I think is what you do in business anyway. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I know you know you were, you were talking in something that just kind of you know, popped up in my head that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are really going to want to kind of hear an answer to, but how, how does working in the cannabis industry as a a CFO differ than working not in the uh, cannabis industry? Okay. Well, uh, first a disclaimer, I'm not a CFO. Um, And I like to say, I know how to spell gap, but it kind of ends there. Um, So, but the, but what I would tell a CFO, there's a few things that, that come into play here that are very important. Uh, the first is IRS code 280E, which is the IRS code for taxes that must be paid on the sale of Schedule One and Schedule Two substances. So believe it or not, they will collect taxes on things that are sold illegally. So that 280E is, is 
I mean, you talk to five CPAs, you'll get five different answers on, on what it actually says, because it isn't particularly clear. But the, but the core element of that is cost of goods is deductible, cost of sales is not. So we have basically a, um, a, a tax rate, an effective tax rate that's probably between 40 and 50% because we don't get the same deductions that other businesses do. Second thing for a CFO is this is absolutely a very inventory driven business. So need to have the strengths in, in that area. And frankly, you'll want to get to where you're doing activity-based costing because that's, that will be, there's enough activities here to make it worth doing. And that will contribute to ultimately managing to control your expenses in the production side. But there's more to it than that because in some cases, for example, when Massachusetts started and still the case in Rhode Island, Massachusetts first had medical marijuana. A medical marijuana company had to be fully vertically integrated, meaning you had to do everything from planting a seed all the way to the day the product was sold. You grew it, you extracted it, you cooked it, you packaged it, you did all, you have to do all that yourself. And originally the regulations specified that that company had to be a nonprofit, not a 501c3, but a business nonprofit. So, but basically you could have no owner. So you then had someone hold the license, but they don't own the, that nonprofit. Then there were all these management companies which are really where the investors come through that set up management contracts with the nonprofits to provide people, services, intellect, everything else at a, at a hefty cost because that's how they get the money out of the nonprofit. That law went away in Massachusetts. So the, the medical marijuana can be for profits now. Rhode Island, the medical marijuana is still nonprofits. And in other states, you find cannabis companies are nonprofits. And that makes a whole nother level of accounting challenge because you're really balancing at least two sets of books. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, there's a fair amount of uh, financial people, uh, you know, on this uh, this this uh, Zoom seminar yeah. training session, as we would call it, for FEI. Don't let's mm -hmm. not forget that. Uh, and uh, you know, sometimes you know, F CFOs are a little bit more conservative. They like to go to more stable industries or industries that are really on the curve. So if I was a CFO and I wanted to get into this business, is there any advice you would give them? Number one thing is how well capitalized are they? Um, this is an extremely expensive business to get going. Um, <clears throat> quick funny story, when Massachusetts first voted in medical in 2012, in 2013, the consultants descended on Massachusetts from Colorado to start talking to would-be owners and telling them, you're going to be able to get open for three to five million. And my answer to that is they were off by one, and that's the one that goes in front of the three or the five. Um, wow. Yes, to, to start a cannabis, to start a vertically integrated cannabis business now is probably 15 to 20 million up front. Um, Kevin, you're out. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's it, it, you want to make sure that, that, that the money's there. Um, you know, then if you're going to a company that's already in motion, you know, then I would take a look at their cash flow. Are they being sensible? I mean, these companies should quickly be cash flow positive. They should have a level of profitability quickly. Um, if they don't, something's wrong. Wow. Evan, you had another question? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know since you joined your company, uh, you know, I know that you guys have been, done phenomenally well. And I just wanted to ask you, uh, since this is, on uh, entrepreneurship, uh, what you feel your key factors of success has been uh, since you joined with Canwell? 
business experience and determination. I mean, you just have to be dogged, but you also have to be adaptable, which I don't believe in. I'm really good at designing process. I just don't like following it. So, I, you know, I can be I can be adaptable that way and think about, you know, how do we have to get there? But it's it's just soldiering through because you're, you're having to get through you know, all the construction, all the regulation, and that doesn't stop and inspections and everything. So it's you just have to be dogged. I mean, you know, it's. You know, it's, sometimes it's not that complicated. And I love the two things you said. I've always, you know, when you say dogged, I always tell entrepreneurs, I'm looking for somebody who knows how to walk, run through brick walls and not stop in front of them. That's the dogged. The adaptable, I always say it's the survival of the, uh, of the adaptable, not the fittest. And, and, and so I agree with you 100%. We're totally aligned. Jeremy, uh, you know, again, very exciting industry. So much to learn from it. So much that's going to happen in the next two to five years. It's going to change. Uh, but if somebody wants to know more about you and your company and how, you know, what you're doing, how would they find you? I think the easiest way is just via LinkedIn. Um, my name is here on the bottom of the screen, Jeremy Bromberg. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message or whatever, and I'll be happy to, uh, to converse with, with anybody. It's Bromberg, not Bloomberg. Correct. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Evan, I'll turn it over to you. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Jeremy. It was a pleasure being able to interview, uh, interview you today. And thank you, Evan. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jeremy.